Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for each one that is here. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to assemble together as your church. We thank you for the quartet being with us representing Heartland Baptist Bible College. And Lord, we just ask that each part of this service would bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to 1 John chapter 4. And I really want you to pray this morning to be able to put on, uh, as we used to say when I was working with Brother Clayton, put on your thinking caps. Uh, We want to wade through some of the deeper things of God's Word today. And of course, the closer you get to the Lord and the deeper you get in His Word, the simpler you find those deep things to be. I mean, people love to sit around and argue about all kinds of theological things. But I want us, 1 John chapter 4, and I want us to start reading in verse 16. It says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. How many are you glad about that? Could you say amen this morning? God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And every one that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this... We know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. As we look at these verses, we are reminded of the greatest truth of all history. God is love. Amen? Love is something that we could all use a little more of. Love is one of those things that if you were forced to live without it, I would tell you that you would die quicker than if you were forced to live without food and water. Now, there are many people that say, I don't experience love and, and, and there's very little love in, in my life and all of that, but I wish we could get what's outside inside this building this morning. We wouldn't need to run the air conditioning, would we? I mean, it is a beautiful, beautiful day. Sometime I wish you could just build a building where you could see through the ceiling and enjoy the clouds, but if we did that, everybody would be watching all that, and they wouldn't pay attention to the preaching. So we'll just put up with the ceiling this morning. But God's love. You have health to be here this morning. 
food to eat. We live in the freest and the greatest nation on the face of the earth. We have to apologize for some things Americans do, but we don't have to apologize for what God has made this country. Amen? But we look at the blessings of God. His love is everywhere around us. How many of you were here Friday night? I mean, wasn't that a grand time? I just, I enjoy this kind of music. You know, the nice thing is, there's some music that you can listen to that's just fun. But you can enjoy this music and get preached to all at the same time. I mean, there's nothing wrong with this music. We love it. It's good, but it's got a message that just reaches to the soul of man because it's from this book called the Bible. It's wonderful to enjoy life, but it's a whole lot better when you enjoy life with a purpose. Amen? And that's what this passage is about. And and the phrase that has arrested my attention is just a little one right in the middle of where we read. The last phrase of verse 17, it says, Because as He is, so are we in this world. Because as He is, so are we in this world. I want you to turn with me to John chapter 17 in our introduction this morning. John chapter 17. And we, uh, we have a lot of traditions, not we as Baptists, but people who call themselves Christians. And, and many of those traditions are just simply wrong. When you think of the Lord's Prayer... You normally think of, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's not really the Lord's prayer. The Lord was using that prayer to teach the disciples how to pray. And He used it in the Sermon on the Mount to teach those that were listening, said, if you're going to have the righteousness that God wants you to have, you need to learn how to pray. And here's how you ought to pray. It ought to be called the believer's prayer. But... You're not going to get any closer to God by repeating the words. You've got to live that prayer. Amen? But if you really want the Lord's Prayer, it's John chapter 17. As Jesus was on His way to Gethsemane, He prayed. And His entire prayer is recorded here in the book of John. And, and I, I wish we had uh, the, it could take the whole morning and just go through that, but... Uh, this phrase out of 1 John chapter uh, 4 and verse 17 there is, I believe, explained the best right here in John chapter 17. And we're going to start reading in verse 16 and read down through verse 22. Jesus says, They are not of this world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world... Even so have I also sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20 is one of the most precious verses in all the Bible. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one. As thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, 
even as we are one. As Jesus was praying here, he says, listen, I have taken these people out of the world. Now, how many of you remember when you used to be in the world before you were saved? I mean, you you know what it was like to live in the world, and then something happened to you. You got a dose of this book called the Bible. You got truth. And you know what that truth did? It sanctified you. The places I used to go, I can't go there anymore. Remember that song? The things I used to do, I can't do them anymore. The things I used to say, the clothes I used to wear, all of those things were changed by what was written in this book. That's what the word sanctified means. It means separated to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, all kinds of people are sanctified to all kinds of things. I think of the athletes. They separate themselves for their sports. And when they turn 35, they're old men. And they're worn out. And they can hardly move because of arthritis by the time they get to be 40. Because they've given their entire life to some pursuit of a game. I want my pursuit to be a little bit more than a lousy game. Amen? And I include them all. Baseball, football. Uh, I get a little tired of how much effort goes in to just simple entertainment. That's all it is. And how little effort goes in to the truth. The truth sanctifies us. It separates us. And Jesus is saying here in His prayer, He says, As you have sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. Because as He is, so are we in this world. That's what John was speaking about in 1 John chapter 4 that we've been reading. And Jesus says, I'm not praying for just my disciples. I'm praying for everyone that believes on me. He says, because I want to take my glory, which I had before the foundation of the world, and I want to give it to those people that believe on me so that the world can know that I have been here. That's what it means. Because as He is. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. God is always present tense. He always was, is. He is, is. And always will be, is. God is always right now. But He has given us a job to do. He wants you and I to make the world understand that God is good. Now, that ought to terrify you. That is the greatest responsibility that any human being can take. But that is our purpose. Now, if you'll remember the other half of the verse, let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. And we'll spend the rest of our time there. It says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. 
The, the Bible is very clear. Every one of us, every human being that has ever lived, is going to stand directly before God, solitary, all by themselves, to be judged of God for their life, for the life that they lived. Every human being. And it says here that God wants us to have boldness when our name is called. I don't know the way it was around your home as you were growing up. But my mom had a certain way of saying my name. And when she said that name, I knew that there was grief and suffering to come. And she would say my name because I knew what was wrong. I already knew what the problem was. And don't you look at me like that. You did the same thing now, didn't you? I want you to take just a moment and think about God. When He calls your name. Most of us, when we think that thought, If we're honest, we're afraid in our hearts. Because God knows everything about us. He knows every thought that we think. He knows every deed that no one else knows anything about. He knows everything that has ever gone on in that deceitful, above all things, and desperately wicked heart that beats within us. But here it says, when he calls your name on judgment day, he wants you to have boldness. I think of our military. There are many times when their name is called. And it's because they have done some great thing and they're going to receive an honor. You ever want some history? Get the history of those that have received the Congressional Medal of Honor. That's some history that ought to be trumpeted from the housetops and taught in our schools. They don't like teaching that history anymore. Read it. It'll change the way you think about things, I promise you. But when that name is called, they're not afraid of a reprimand. Most of the time, their thoughts are with those that were with them that didn't make it. So many times you read the histories of those men and they'll say, I didn't do anything great. It was those men that were with me that gave their lives. They were the one that did it great. And here God is saying, listen, in His Word, as John has penned these words, He wants you and I to have boldness when we stand before God. Not that we're thinking about every wrong thing that we've ever done and all the problems and the failures which are many in our lives. He wants us to understand that because as He is... The eternal God of heaven, whose message has never changed, that from generation to generation, His message has been one of love and forgiveness. 
And for those who refuse it, judgment. God has not changed. Somebody said, in the Old Testament, God was so mean. Uh, We've been over this. I want to remind you of Rahab the harlot. God is not so mean. He saves anybody. Amen. God loves people. But when you refuse that love, there's no other option but judgment. God says, when I call your name, I want you to have boldness. Because that message of love that is God and His forgiveness needs to be lived in your life. Because if you don't take it to the world in which you live, it's not going. I'm not a Calvinist, not in any stretch of the imagination. I don't believe God programmed people to go to heaven and programmed people to go to hell. I believe that whosoever will. But I also believe that if you want to go to heaven, God will make a way for you to get there. Amen. God will send somebody to tell you the truth of His gospel. And the Bible tells us that if we are going to have boldness in the day of judgment, we have to have that message living inside of us. Could I tell you the number one reason why we do not do what we should for the Lord Jesus Christ is in the next verse. Read it with me. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. How many of you have been afraid to pass out a gospel track or to tell someone about Jesus sometime in your life? How many of you have been afraid? Now, let's be honest this morning. Raise your hand. Let people know. My hand is up. There have been times I've been afraid. In fact, if you've not been afraid, the only reason you're not is because you've never done it. Isn't that true? When it's true like that, you don't say amen. You say, oh me. I I mean, that is a mess. I mean, fear is the reason why we do not do what we ought to do. We're afraid. We're afraid of what people will say. We're afraid of what people will think. We're afraid of... Some of us are afraid of actually being obedient to God. It just never has happened before. Uh, I actually did it. I actually did something. I remember the story of one fellow who used to be a member here. He said, the first time I went passing out tracts, he said, I almost uh, threw up. Almost got sick because I was so nervous. He said, then I saw one of Pastor's little kids just stand there going. And he said, they can do it, I can do it. As Brother Ted Monsoor's testimony. Listen, the opposite of love is not hate. It's fear. Brother Joe, how long have you been married? Eight weeks. I don't know if I'd like to spend my honeymoon like you have, but uh, you can't do any better than serve God. Amen. 
But there's a lot of things that go on when two people come together in marriage. There's a lot of fear. There's a lot of, boy, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. And, and uh, I like the way one preacher put it, marriage is God's institution for the blind. You see, love is blind. But after marriage, blind eyes do see. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on there. And, and people who pledge their lives to each other become their own bitterest enemies. And it's always because of fear. Love solves that problem. But I want to challenge you, where do you get love? You've got to go to God. That's where love comes from. Love comes from God. So you go get God. And you put Him in your life and He'll take away that fear. I praise God I've never had to be afraid of my wife. And I don't think she's ever been afraid of me. Now the Bible tells us we need to fear and reverence God. Because of who He is. But it shouldn't be this paralyzing, quaking fear that keeps us from serving Him. That's of the world. That's devilish. That's a fear that is built in the sinful nature of mankind. I mean, in a good marriage, a husband and wife ought to be afraid to do certain things. They ought to be afraid to give each other a thought that would lead them away from knowing that their love is committed 100% to each other. Do you follow what I'm saying there? I mean, my wife and I have some rules. Unless it's my daughter's or my mother, I don't take anybody in the van by myself. You say, Pastor, nothing's going to happen. That's not the issue. That's not the issue. The issue is I want to live my life in a way that builds my wife's faith and my commitment to her. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Now, if you look back on your week and I look back on my week, We fail. In fact, if you live a hundred years, you're still going to fail because you're a sinful human being. And what's the first thought that comes in your mind when you mess up? I can't go back to church. I messed up this week. I lost my temper. I said things I shouldn't have said. Now, you know, we're not talking about murder and adultery. and I mean, we're talking about the sins that we commit every day. When we sin, we separate that fellowship between us and God. It's like when my mom called my name. The reason why it wasn't as pleasing and wonderful to hear my mother call my name is because I'd done some bad stuff and I knew it was time to pay. And when it comes judgment day and you stand before God, that's not the feeling that you want in your heart. Because Jesus says, Not everyone that saith unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, 
We'll get to those verses in a couple of months on our Thursday night Bible study. But you read the Bible, you know one of the great sins of the Bible. Fearful and unbelieving. He's going to say, bind them hand and foot and cast them into the lake of fire that burneth forever and ever. One of the reasons people refuse to commit their life to Christ is because they're afraid. I had a lady call me up one time and she said, Pastor, I'm having a problem with my Christian life. I just, I just feel like God is out to get me. I feel like He's going to judge me and I feel like there's all kinds of things going on. I said, well, you better check out what kind of Christian life you have because that's not the God of the Bible. Perfect love casts out fear. I don't need to be afraid that God is going to turn me away because He's already promised that He would accept me. Amen? That lady wasn't even saved. And that was the problem. When you get love, God's love in your life, there's no fear. You say, aren't you worried about what might happen with the economy and what's going on tomorrow? I mean, there are concerns there, but I think God's just a little bigger than Congress. Amen? I think He knows just a little bit more than Obama does. And I think that He is in a little more control than we often give Him credit. If I have to make a choice between being afraid of what man's going to do and trusting in God, I think I'll trust in God. You see, that's what love is. We've, we've reduced this idea of love to a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside. Now, my wife says I wear out certain phrases, and this is one I've worn out, but some of you know where I'm going already. You want a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside? i got a recipe that works every time. Oatmeal. You get a big bowl of oatmeal and pour some milk and brown sugar and butter in there. And I'll tell you, you I'm not talking little bowl, I'm talking big bowl. And you fill yourself up with oatmeal, you will have a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside. I promise you. But that ain't love. You see, love is obedience. We're going to get to that in a minute. Love is a lack of fear. I don't have to be afraid of God. That somehow He's going to hurt me or do something mean to me. That is the God of this world. That's what the devil does. The God of this book will never hurt you. He will never do anything that will harm you. He will never take anything from you that will not be for His honor and for His glory. If you're here today with fear, you're in one of two situations. Either you're not saved or you're in serious disobedience to the God of heaven. His love is not working in your life the way it ought to be. I challenge you, let's get that right before you leave today. Amen? Now look at the next one. Here's the next one in verse 
20, it says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? If you could take forgiveness and put it in a serum and inject it into the veins of a human being and have it work, do its work, as, an, as a vaccine would, I could go into every psychiatric ward in this country and almost empty it if you could just give a dose of forgiveness to the hearts of those people who are sick and imprisoned in those places. The bars of bitterness and unforgiveness are stronger than any prison ever built by mankind. It's darker than any dungeon and and more cruel than any torture that was ever devised. God says, listen, if you're going to have my love in you, you cannot carry hatred with it because love drives it out. If I understand the forgiveness that God has forgiven me, I cannot withhold my forgiveness toward another human being. It's not possible. And don't get the idea. Man has perverted everything God has given us. Forgiveness is not just you saying it's okay. Because it is not okay. You read your Bible, you'll never find forgiveness mentioned in this book without a sacrifice, without a payment that has been made. And the reason why I can forgive other human beings is not because I'm such a wonderful person. It's because Jesus Christ paid the price for every sin on the cross, and I have no right to hold against another human being what Christ has paid for. Amen? If I have His love living within me, I cannot carry hatred. I've got to get rid of it. Now, you read the book of Hebrews, and it's kissing cousin bitterness will grow as a root and defile many, many people. Don't, don't allow that in your life. You go to God, you get His love. Because as He is, so are we in this world. He has sent us to take the message of His forgiveness. Now, there's one more point here. Let's go down to verses 2 and 3, chapter 5. It says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Have you ever tried this excuse? You know, this whole thing of, of really reaching out to people, this, this isn't my job. I'm, I'm not a people person. I'm one of those behind-the-scenes kinds of guys. I can do that kind of work. But this thing of, of having to deal with people all the time, I'm, I'm going to let that up to the preacher. Could, could I tell you something? I'm not a people person. If I had my brother, if I had my druthers, if I'd planned my life my way, I was going to 
go in and become an officer in the Marine Corps and retire when I was 48 and move to the Arctic Circle in Canada where there was nothing but fish and wildlife and books. That's, that's all I wanted to do. No family, no people, no nothing. Say, boy, does that sound good. No, it isn't. Because our life is people. We're all people, people. God did not leave us in the world to please ourselves. Have you ever met somebody that spent their life pleasing themselves? Whose only goals were their goals? They're the most ruthless, cold-hearted, hateful people on the face of the earth. If we love God, if I want to love people, here's what I need to do. I need to obey God's words. That's what it says. And by this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. You see, the reason God put those things in this book called the Bible is because if we do them, we have to love other people. That's what church is all about. When you come, you contact other people and you encourage them to serve the Lord and to do what's right. And as you are obedient to what God says in His Word, you are going to automatically love other people. Now, let's be honest. Some people are just a little better at it than others. But... That doesn't give you an excuse not to do it. If I want to be a better husband to my wife, a better father to my children, I've got to obey God's commandments. If I want to be a better pastor to the people of this church, I've got to obey God's commandments. If I want to love people more, I've got to obey God's commandments. And you know what the second thing is? If I obey God's commandments and I make it look like it's the toughest thing that I've ever done and it's, it's a real chore to just be obedient to God, what am I doing? I'm pushing people away from God. This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not grievous. I want to tell you today, the best thing that's ever happened to me is obedience to God's Word. That's how I got saved. That's how you make right choices. That's how you're going to have confidence in the day of judgment. Boldness. To stand before God, having done what He wanted you to do with your life. Finding God's will is one of the greatest struggles that you'll ever have. It's not because God doesn't want you to know it. It's because... Most people don't want to live for Jesus every day. They just want to show up for the big events. When you go to work, how many of you, are, how many of you have a job that's full of little tedious details that nobody cares about? I mean, how, how many of you have that kind of job? It's just the same thing over and over again. Somebody says, I don't have a job. I'm a, I'm a mother and a housewife. You've got the 
most busy job in the world. I mean, who's going to wash all those clothes? Who's going to sweep? How many meals do you have to prepare? How, how much work has to go into keeping those little kids clean? I mean, how many times do you have to wipe those hands and that mouth? Because if you don't, you're going to be scrubbing the walls and the floors and the car and the upholstery and the couch. And I mean, little kids do things. And we get caught up in the mundane and we get weary in well-doing and we say, I, I just don't know how long I can keep up doing all these silly little things, but those silly little things are the most important things in the world. Because that's where we show our love by obeying the Word of God. It's daily living. Hardest thing in the world to do. Today. This afternoon. Tomorrow. You see, we live in a wicked world. And I don't know if you read the newspapers or listen to the radio, but it's not getting better. It's getting worse. Uh, but the Bible says that's going to happen. So don't worry about it. But there's somebody out there whose life God wants to use you to touch. That's where the love of Christ comes in. If I'm going to love Christ, I've got to stand in this pulpit and teach His Word, not my ideas. Because that's what the Bible says a preacher ought to do. Amen? If you love Christ, you've got to take His message to the world in which we live. If a person looks at you Do they think God is good or God is bad? That's what it means. Because as He is, so are we in the world. We are the ones that are to take the message of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live. Don't be afraid when the world calls you weird. That's a compliment. Because they curse Jesus. When the world looks at you and say, you've got to be possessed or something to do that. Oh, yes, I am. But it's not a demon. It's the Holy Spirit of God. I want you to look at what I do. I'm not hurting people. I'm not Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. What you see on Monday is what you're going to see on Sunday when I go to church. What you are looking for is what I already have. It's called a life. A real one. One that I don't need to change when somebody walks in the door. And one that one day when we stand before God, I'm going to look forward to hearing my name called. Not cowering in fear knowing that God's judgment is just moments away. Do you see the difference? You see, 
when I let God's love work in my life and I'm obedient to His Word, that's how you overcome the world. Faith is believing God's Word to the point of obedience. That's how you got saved. Amen? You just claimed what the Bible says. You believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and He saved you. By the way, that's how you live the Christian life. You just believe the Word of God and obey it. And you'll find that most of life's decisions are already made for you. And then when we stand before God, He'll say, I used you to take my message to the world in which we live. The glory which I have was passed on to you, and you passed it on to the world, and there were people that rejected that glory, and there are people that received that glory, and joined and became saved and started serving God with their lives. But it's not about you, because what they saw didn't come for you, it came for me. That's why we'll cast our crowns at His feet. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We ask that you would help us to understand that you want us to take your message to the world in which we live, but we can't take that message unless we're saved. Even if we are saved, that message is going to be ruined if we're full of fear and We allow bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness in our lives. Lord, if we're not obedient, cheerfully and willingly, we're not living in love. We can't love other people without obeying Your Word. Lord, I pray today that You would be with those here today that are unsure or or know that they are not saved, that this time would be at least another stepping stone, another, another part in bringing their heart to You. Our first prayer is that today would be the day they would surrender their lives and be saved. Lord, We pray for those who are saved and are struggling with fear, with hatred, with unforgiveness, bitterness. Lord, we pray for those who think that somehow they'll find a better way to love people than being obedient to your word. Lord, that you would convict them of their sin and their pride. And that you would bring them to a point to where they would just have simple childlike faith and obedience to your word. We ask that you would work during this time of invitation. The Lord, when we leave this place, we will take your presence into the world in which we live. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.